Hello everyone, my name is Xiomara Diaz, better known as Chap D, and I am one of the chaplains who serve at the 109 Air Wing. And I'm Captain Pete Troya, Director of Personnel at the 109th Airlift Wing, or Chaplain Diaz just nicknamed me Cap G. Our podcast, Beneath the Uniform, focuses on two areas, Beneath the Uniform, the issues, and Beneath the Uniform, the person. We bring you real people with authentic stories and real issues that affect many of us. So pop on in your headphones, turn up the volume, and enjoy the next episode of Beneath, Beneath the, the Uniform. Uniform. Welcome, everybody, to Beneath the Uniform, the person. Today is a special, special, special episode as we have here Command Chief Richardson. Who is Command Chief Richardson, my brother? Right. We have an absolute celebrity in the house today, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the boy. State Command Chief of New York State. He is known throughout the Air National Guard, throughout the Air what? Force, the 54 and the 90. This guy is everywhere um, and beloved everywhere. That, that hmm. takes a, a special person, um, you know, close Wait. to 30 years. You know what? Let me stop you right there. Let okay. me stop you right there. Jamie, please give me the shredder. Take that autobiography and let's shred that out. Who are we talking today with? Shred it. We're talking to the man, the legend. This guy's a multi-capable airman. Before it was a buzzword, uh, the AFE Career Field and Operations Group, the FSS, the MSG, Command Chief of the 109th, and now the State Command Chief in New York. Sixteen thousand troops That's like in New stuff, York like State. No big deal, but you know right? What? Blah blah blah. blah I bet blah. everybody out there knows about that. What they don't know is what we are going to do here. And we're going to go beneath the uniform. So today, we are talking to Denny. Denny Richardson. And if it's okay with you, today we're going to call you Denny. That's okay. That's, that's fine. This is, this is your show. <laughs> Chief, welcome. Good morning. Such an honor and a pleasure to have you here, sir. Well, thank you very much, sir and ma'am. Thank you for having me here. And um, I'm looking forward to this. So this is... Uh, you know, thank you for starting this. Uh, you know, I think this platform is uh, it, it's needed um, and it's required. And you know, I think it gives members the, the opportunity uh, to be vulnerable in a comfortable setting. So, so thank you for this. Absolutely. Thank Chief. you for coming. So let's start with the easiest one. Where were you born? Oh my goodness! All right. So everyone knows that you know you can you can take the kid out of Baltimore, but you can't take Baltimore out of the kid. So. So born and raised in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, in a little uh, small uh, uh, projects called uh, Fairfield Homes, um, you know, and um, my, my mother, uh, she gave birth to uh, five children. Wow, respect, uh, respect on that one. Yes, yes, five children. Um, uh, we have Renee, Holly, uh, De- Deanna, Belinda, and then the youngest of them all was what? myself, uh, Denny, How- however, her nickname for me was Duke. Okay, that so, is exclusive so you, right here. Yeah, so, go. so if you talk to my family and all my friends, they know me as Duke. They don't know me as Denny. And so, and my mother nicknamed me that because that's what they call the the kings over in England. Oh. They call them dukes. So she was like, "You are my king," you know. So I'm going to nickname you Duke. I'm just glad I wasn't born a female because my nickname would have been Duchess. <laughs> 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 but yes, so I was the youngest of five uh, growing up in Baltimore. And you all may say, they may be thinking, look, man, you were spoiled. 
you were the youngest yeah. of five and you were the only boy and I, you're absolutely right I was spoiled my <laughs> sisters took took care of me and they spoiled the crap out of me but I didn't let it go to my head so um but yeah Baltimore growing up in Baltimore was was different um, it was extremely different uh, we didn't have you know a lot you know only thing we had is what you know my mother you know provided us you know because she was a um, we had a, a single parent uh, household, mm-hmm. uh, so we had no male figure uh, in our life. Um, but my mother was the one that kept us all together. Chief, what did your uh, mother do for work? Oh my gosh, you name it, uh, she did it. Um, you know, one thing uh, that my mother, uh, uh, may she rest in peace, uh, prided herself on was uh, not taking handouts. Uh, no handouts from the government or no handouts from a man. Uh, she did everything on her own. She made sure that we didn't want uh, for anything. Uh, so you name it, if she had to go out and work three jobs, then she went out and worked three jobs. If she has to go pick up a fourth job, uh, you know, odds and ends around the holidays to make sure that we had a good meal on the table for Thanksgiving and gifts under the tree for Christmas, then that's what she did. She was the strongest person I know. So when you ask me what she did, she did everything. And she did everything. And the, the most important thing she did was is that she raised five kids mm-hmm. you know, to be successful. You know, And I'm hoping every day that she's looking down on us and she's proud you know, of what she has created. You know, because she built something in us. Our values you know, and where we come from you know, is completely defined, you know, by our mother, you know, um, and she was the one that instilled um, strength and work ethic into all her kids. So you're speaking of your mom very highly and you can tell his eyes light up, right? What is the one, if you were to pick one memory that is your dear memory of your mom, doesn't matter what age, what is that memory and why? Man, that's a lot. That's a lot of memories. Um, a lot of memories. Uh, probably the one that that comes to mind is when I decided to join the military, and I was going away to be um, out of Baltimore for the first time, about to get mm-hmm. on the plane. Um, and the memory I have of her was her standing there with tears in her eyes and saying, don't worry, you got this, you know, I'll see you when you return. That vote of confidence alone, you know, because, you know, I wasn't always this outspoken, you know, person that you see uh, standing, sitting before you here today, you know, and, but her confidence in me that was unbelievable, you know, and what she gave me was, she gave me a, a pocket card um, and it's a cross uh, in your wallet. I've changed my wallet 10 times, but the one thing I did not change it was the cross that she gave me, um, which I keep in my wallet. Uh, so, and she gave it to me that day before I jumped on the plane to actually go off the basic training. Um, so that's a memory that's you know ever ingrained you know uh, in, in my mind. Um, and if it wasn't for her and if it wasn't for those words, I, I don't know if I could have made it back because I was homesick when I got the BMT. I was homesick, even though I was there with my, my crazy cousin because uh, we went on the buddy, buddy system. Um, I was homesick. You know, I was like, man, I just want to get out of here. I just want to go back home. I miss, 
my family. I miss, you know, I miss my mother. I miss, I miss my sisters. And remember, he said he was spoiled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was spoiled. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I miss them you know, taking care of yeah. me. You know, I wasn't ready to grow up yet. You know, even yeah. though I was 19 years old, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't ready yet. Um, so, um, so yeah, I was extremely homesick. You know, but you know, her strength in me got me through it. You know, the cross in my wallet got me through. So that would be my one of one of one of my fondest memories of her. So when you get to boot camp, you get your one call right now. That one call was on the payphone back then, right? <laughs> a lot of a lot of people these yeah. days don't remember that. Yeah. It was. It yeah. was on the payphone. Change, like yeah. 25 cents, right? That's right. That? Oh, man, you get your one phone call, you got to dial up, you got to pray that they answer the phone. Yes, that's right. Uh, so when you have that phone call, do you break down in tears? Calling your mom? Oh, tell man. Tell her I'm okay, I'm here at boot camp. How, well, how's that phone call go? Yeah, yep, yep. But, and you know what? I did. I broke down. Um, she can hear the crackle in my voice, hey, you know, uh, and she said, what she said to me was, you got this, you know, you got this, you know, and then she cracked the joke and then she cracked the joke and she made me laugh and then she started to laugh as well, you know, because she had the ability to just feel the room and know what to say at the right time. You know, listen, my mother wasn't an educated woman. All right. My mother was a high school dropout, but her knowledge and wisdom of life was far beyond anything that you can get out of a textbook or get from, uh, you know, uh, that you can get from college, you know. And so she had that unique capability to say the right words at the right time. And she was the best judge of character that I've ever seen in my life. She would sit down with both of you and knew right away if you were live or you were Memorex. That's a that's an old saying there. You know, I see you. Okay, I, see I don't you know. Thinking, I don't know what you don't is remember that. that. So yeah, you know, yeah. it was an old commercial. You know, where Memorex was yeah. on a was on a tape. You know, and Memorex used to say, "Well, you can't tell if this was live or if it was on a tape from Memorex." Oh, okay. You know, so yeah. but, but so my mother would be able to tell if you were the real deal or not the real deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, as soon as she met you. Uh, so, um, so yeah, that first call was a. Uh, uh, I didn't want to do it because uh, I knew it. I said, oh, man. I was like, once I hear a voice, I was yeah. like, that, that's it. I'm done. I'm going to be yeah. on the next plane out of here. Um, but I'm glad I did. And I am so glad I did. Awesome. So, Chief, you mentioned uh, no father figure growing up. But, you know, a few of us that know you personally know you are a phenomenal father to two boys <laughs> mm -hmm. and um, also an amazing husband. So without that guidance growing up in your life, how did you still manage to become uh, such a uh, inspiring husband, father, leader, you know, a, a figure and mentor as well to many of us here wearing the uniform? Um, how did you do that without that father figure around? Well, my motivation, well, motivation was not to fail uh, as a man because I had a lot of examples growing up of what a man was not. Hmm. And so that was my, my motivation. And it continues to be my driving motivation and my driving factor. Um, and I know how important it is for a young man to have a role model in their life. I was fortunate. A lot of my friends that I grew up with, they all had 
single family, you know, the mother in the house, the father gone as well. But for some reason, they didn't turn out like my sisters and I did. Listen, it takes a, a strong woman to raise a man. And my mother was that. She was not only my mother, she was my father. You know, she just understood. She can tell me things about life and about being a man that I probably couldn't get from another man. Hmm. And so that's my motivation. My motivation is, is that I want to be that role model. I want to be the man that I wish I had in my life, you know, growing up. And I'm not saying that they were all bad, you know, because every now and then you would get one to come in and be like, hey, what's going on? Hey, this guy's pretty cool, you know, and, you know, but then, you know, things happen and that, that person's gone, you know. But I think I had more bad examples than I did good examples. Um, and, and so so that's my motivation that, you know, that's that's what I want to do. I want I want folks to be able to look at me and say and not just say that, you know, hey, there's there's Chief Richardson. You know, I want people to look at me and say, hey, there's a real man. There's a person that will that that's real. You know, he's going to tell you like it is. Um, but he's he's not going to. Can I say can I say BS? <laughs> he's uh, he's not going to BS you. You know, He's going to give you a, a straight. He's going to give you a real answer. But it's also a person that you can depend on. And not just when the seas are calm, but you can depend on him when the oceans are rough. So speaking of that, how we know that she nicknamed you Duke, right? Duke. Duke. (laughs) (laughs) So where Dennis comes, and the second question is, do you have your mother's last name or you have your father's last name? I have my mother's last name from a previous marriage. Mm. So my mother's name was, her, well, her name was Peggy. That was her first name. And the last name was Heggy. Peggy Heggy. Peggy Heggy, yes. <laughs> so she, she couldn't wait to get married. She was like, hey, I, I, gotta, I gotta get this name. I gotta get rid of this. Peggy Heggy. So that, that, was her, that was her last name. And then she married my sister's um, father. And that's where the last name Richardson came into play. Okay. All right. And so, but she never uh, went back. She always, she kept that name, that last name Richardson, even though, even though they divorced um, until later in life. Uh, there's a funny story. <clears throat> later in life, reconnected with my father much later in life. I was already a grown adult, you know, so only thing he can do for me is don't try to come in and be a father. Just come in and be a friend, you know, and that's yeah, what we are. Right. We're friends. We're yeah. friends right now. Um, but later in life, she reconnected with him, and they got married. What? No way. Yes, they never <laughs> married. You know, when she was with them, when when she gave birth to me, they reconnected, and they got married. And he was, Facebook. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> and he was there uh, with uh, with her, um, you know, and until until the very end. Um, so. Uh, so her name went from Richardson, and then when they got married, she took on his last name, which is uh, Taylor. There you go. You see? Yeah, very that's, cool. That's, that's very cool journey there. So, Chief, growing up in, in Baltimore, um, what's that like as a kid? Like sports, hobbies, uh, what were you guys doing 
<laughs> going through school and, and after school and how was that? Football, basketball, right? You have to play sport. Yeah, you definitely have to play sports. So, you know, it's a, there's a basketball court on uh, probably uh, in, a, in every neighborhood. So, so basketball was a, was a big thing. Uh, growing up and uh, you know you know going to Baltimore it was uh, it was a grind you know every day you you just you're trying to survive <laughs> you know you're literally you know trying to survive every day um, but yeah basketball w- was huge uh, football was big um, you know I remember playing little league baseball <laughs> you know so they, they had little league baseball um, there as well uh, but if you didn't know how to dribble a basketball you know you had no credibility (laughs) 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 because everything was pretty much centered around uh centered around basketball you know and i remember we we had no uh, where we grew up we had no like no pool area uh you know like a recreation area you know we did have a basketball court Uh, we had a rec center but we had no pool and i don't know if you know about baltimore but baltimore gets hot uh, it, I mean, we, I call it 90 and 90, you know, probably, you know, six months out of the year. So you're going to have a, a temperature above 90 with 90% humidity uh, <laughs> six, six months out of the year. And uh, so it gets hot. So but we had no pool. <laughs> so what some of the, uh, the young kids used to do uh, to cool off is they would uncap a fire hydrant. There you oh, go. Yeah. It allowed water oh, yeah. to come streaming yes. down the street, and you know, yeah, and, and so that was our pool. We created our own pool right there, <laughs> right there in the street. <laughs> so you know, you spoke about the grind, and I, I can see Milan from Puerto Rico, obviously, mm-hmm. right? And uh, even though we we try to write things, my mom, you know, you're always going to have those friends who are going to try to derail you. Especially if mm. you're if you're living within the inner city schools and stuff like that, they want you to to do something that you shouldn't and try to temptate you. Uh, what was for you that? Oh, someone that's tried to derail me. Yeah, when they tried to derail you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, are we going deep? Yeah, yeah. You you definitely are going deep, and um, and yeah, you have, um, and we all have. We all mm-hmm. have those friends, or so that you. You know, so-called friends mm-hmm. uh, who will try to lead you, you know, down the wrong path. I was fortunate to have three friends who were real friends, um, and we're actually we're we're friends to this day. Oh, what's their names? Like, get them a Oh man, come on! Man. <laughs> All right, All right we will okay. keep them. I'll give you, I'll give you the name. So you know, my uh, the one I would consider you know, one of my best friends. Um, I was the best man in his wedding. He was the best man in my wedding. Uh, is uh, Dre Andre uh, Dre? We call him Rocco. That, right. that, that was his nickname. Was Rocco? Rocco uh, and Duke. Yes, you know, on the road. Yes. Yeah, you know. And um, and then there was um, my next door neighbor, who we were really, really close. Um, and we were. Um, and his name is uh, Ed Edward. Uh, his nickname was Little Man. Little Man. Now, now he uh, on the side he does uh, DJing. You know, so. Uh, his DJ, his, his DJ call sign is DJ Ice. Okay. <laughs> so shout can, out to DJ, DJ Ice. Uh, DJ Ice. You know, you can find him on uh, mixing uh, online on, um, I believe, uh, Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ice. Uh, but when I when I talk to you, <laughs> um, and then the other guy was uh, Rob, um, and we called him. Uh, <laughs> 
we call Rob Chinese Billy. <laughs> right. So we have I Chinese Billy, the Duke. Yeah. yeah. But, but together we called ourselves the Four Horsemen and we couldn't. Oh, that's a cool name. We couldn't feel as long as we had each other. We had each other's back. So no matter what negativity was going on around us, you know, us four, you know, we kind of leaned on one another and kept each other, you know, on the, on the right path. Um, you know, so that's surrounded by a lot of negativity. Yes. You know, but it's also it's all about your inner circle and it's all about the, the folks around you. You know, I credit those three a lot with, um, you know, my street knowledge and my street credibility, uh, because with, without them, you know, I could have went somewhere else. Yeah. I could have, you know, if I had another best friend that was into selling drugs or doing, you know, yeah. uh, stealing cars, you know, then I would have been with that best friend, yeah. you know, selling drugs and stealing cars, you know, but I didn't. I had these three, you know, who, um, you know, who, who kept us kept us all grounded and we, we took care of one another. So. so a learning path for those young uh, men and females and, and uh, they as well, right, for inclusivity, find the ones who are your closest, be your, uh, who you wanna be, right? Because if the people that, that are around you have the same values and belief and vision as you do, then it will be easier to get out temptations. Because temptations, everybody's going to go to temptations at a certain point. But if you had those, you know, four horsemen right there yeah. to, to the bring you, yes, yeah. to bring you to the right path and pull you back when you're thinking things that you shouldn't do, that is important. So yeah. I just want to point that out really Thank quick. Thank you. Yeah, extreme, extremely important. Um, and, and like I said, there was nothing that we, if you saw us walking around Fairfield, it would always be us four. It would always be us four. And, you know, I remember if I walked outside my door, the first stop I would make is I go to Little Man. I say, hey, man, let's go get Dre. You know, and then we go get Dre, and then we go get Rob, and then, then and that was it. And we just, we just go hang out. You know. That's awesome. So, Chief, this brings up a, uh, a struggle I personally have where, um, you know, your, your experience growing up really turns you into – uh, who you are as an adult, right? Mm. And who you are as a parent and what the life you want to give your children. So uh, the struggle is you give your children the life you dreamed of, but they miss out on that uh, yes. quote unquote hard knocks experience, right? So have you struggled with that? And, and how have you navigated that as a parent um, with your kids having a uh, 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 I'm assuming a better life than than you had growing up in Baltimore, right? <laughs> yeah, they they just don't know. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know what struggle is. <laughs> they don't. They don't know what the grind is. Sir. Right, right. They, they really don't. Because you're right. You know, and you know that's this generation of parenting. Uh, that's that's what we do. We, you know, we want to give our kids so much so that they don't go through the same right. struggle yeah. that we did. Mm -hmm. However. <laughs> those struggles is what made us yes. you yeah. know and i think that's why we're so resilient you know as parents in this in our generation sir um we're more resilient because we did have to go through those struggles and who was the only one that can fix your problems for you when you were growing up at least for me it, it, it was me right, yeah, it, it, it was me yeah. you know once you get to a certain age you know my mother was like hey i didn't gave you everything that i needed to give you <laughs> to be a man now the rest is up to you right. you know However, 
I'll parent in style, you know, and my wife will, you know, and I tell her this all the time, our parent in style is that we are a little bit uh, clingy. Yeah. We're yeah. helicopter parents. Helicopter yeah, parents. Helicopter. That's, that's yeah. the saying We these days. don't yeah. want to let these kids go out and struggle and fix their own problems. Mm-hmm. We want to catch them before they fall instead of allowing them to fall and yeah. figure it out and figure it out on themselves. Now, my oldest son went off to uh, college. Uh, he went to the University of Maryland. Oh, he went back home. Oh, yeah, fear, fear the turtle. Yeah. Yeah, so he went, he went back. He, uh, he went to the University of Maryland. And I remember the orientation. And so we get to the orientation. We get to the campus. And, you know, the staff was like, all right, students, go this way. Parents, go this way. And so my wife was like, well, wait a minute, hold on, no, <laughs> no, no, I want to go, I want to stick with my son. I was like, no, no, he's good, you know. But I was like, don't worry, you're going to see him again because class isn't starting yet. This was July, <laughs> you know, and we're going, we're going back home, don't worry, you're going to see him again, you know. But when they separated us, they did that for a reason, you know, because the message that they gave the parents and I'll never forget it was was so powerful. Um, I believe this person was the dean, and he stood up there in front, and he said, what I want you to do between now and time for them to start school, I want you to allow them to fail at something and allow them to figure it out. He said, because that's what they're going to have to do when they get here on campus. And he said, trust me when I tell you they are going to fail at something when they get here at college. And they're going to have to be the ones to figure it out, not mommy and daddy. He says, so allow them to fail at something throughout the summer and don't fix it for them. Allow them to fix it. Allow them to get custom to, um, to finding their own solutions to their problems and to their issues. So we heard that, you know, we did, you know, so, you know, we get home, you know, I'm, I'm telling my wife, I'm like, oh, we got to, we got to try to find something that he can fail at, you know, <laughs> let's set him up for something, you know, <laughs> and just allow him to fail at something so he, you know, so he can figure it out, you know, um, I don't think he failed at uh, too much, um, but that counselor was, was, was so right, it was so right, is that we wanted, we wanted to fix all the problems, you know, for, you know, for our kids. I, I tell you this right now, if it wasn't for my wife, my first kid wouldn't have went to college. Because she pretty much did everything for him, everything for him. That you know, now he had to write his own essays and you know, and all that stuff. Yeah, but everything else, you know, she was very, very hands on. Guilty as charged. <laughs> you too, huh? <laughs> you know, I know. I know. I'm speaking. I'm speaking to that generation. The, you right. know, helicopter right. parents. Uh, you know, yeah, we got a we got too. a bunch yeah. of HH60 parents yeah. <laughs> flying around, kids dangling around. We just won't let go. <laughs> oh my god. I, I cry. I cry when my son went to college and he went to SUNY Albany. And I was crying. <laughs> I remember being in a meeting and I'm like all tears. People think I'm having a trauma. So my kid went to college. <laughs> he went to SUNY Albany. It's supposed to be a happy moment, man. I know. <laughs> um, speaking of that, so what regret do you have as a parent? <laughs> there has to be something as a parent that you think that, that you're like, hmm. Man, I wish I did that better. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, man, where do I start? <laughs> you know, because when you're a first parent, you know, you you just you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my wife and I, we we made some mistakes, you know, as parents. Um, <laughs> and um, 
I mean, I can all I can go back to the the, the helicopter uh, parent uh, style that we had, and um, you know, to me that was I don't want to say the biggest mistake, but it was it, it's up there. Um, it, it really is, you know, because um, I think that the resiliency of our kids is lacking. Our two boys is lacking because we didn't allow them uh, to figure things out uh, themselves. Um, you know, as as parents, you know, we we try our best, um, and sometimes we miss small signs that you know of you know if if your kid is. If, if, if your kid's struggling or if your kids are is doing things, you're trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that, you know, that, hey, no, no, that's just, that's just him. That, you, mm-hmm. know, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be fine, you know. Being a little bit more or less compassion with more reality because our parenting style wasn't reality-based. It was based off of empathy and based off of compassion, but you need a balance. You know, it's where reality and compassion kind of meet, you know, and you need that healthy balance. So if I can say if it's anything, it, it would be that. It would be, um, you know, um, bridging that gap between compassion and empathy and reality. Um, because I don't think that at that time, I don't think that I set you know, my kids up for success, even though I thought I was doing it. I don't think I set them up for success uh, to go out into the real world uh, to, you know, uh, to um, to be a productive uh, citizen. If I look at my two kids and you would have asked me when they were 16 years old, 17 years old, if they were going they that they were going to go in the military and be successful, I would have told you no because of, you know, me because of because of my parenting style uh, because of you know how we actually raised them um, now I think they would have made it through but they would have struggled uh, a lot more than than I did you know when I went off the BMT hmm. yeah it's so interesting because what your kids do have is endless love oh yes right? oh endless gosh. love and support so yes. it's like yeah. what is that perfect balance and I mean yeah. uh, the it's word tough. perfect is a is a bad word in our house yeah. right you can't you can't achieve perfect it's not realistic and i guess at the end of the day as parents really number one is just give them that love yeah. just give them right? definitely you need that love and um you know my mother used to say tough love um hey, you know i'm giving you tough love you know she's like i'm i'm this gonna hurt me more than it hurts you <laughs> but <laughs> i remember that speech. <laughs> you know but that that tough love is is what required but you're absolutely right the love is is extremely important you know and i tell you this right now i'm so proud of my my two young men um you know and they are because one thing that i can tell you about these two that they are perfect gentlemen that's important they are yeah. perfect gentlemen and chivalry i'm sorry chivalry what that's the word chivalry, Sh- chivalry? Yeah. yeah it's not good it's not good at least not with these two uh, okay, you know good. and uh, the, these two here are they have uh their hearts they have hearts of gold uh, you know, and um, I am extremely proud and of where they are right now uh, on their journey because their journey is just beginning. Um, and I just can't wait to see you know, where they're going to end up um, because they have something inside of them. Um, and you, so you probably hear me talk about this all the time. Uh, character, uh, you know, they have high quality, they're high quality individuals with high character. 
you know, their character traits are, are, are phenomenal. And that's something that you really can't cheat, teach. It's got to be a part of you. So they are just uh, two uh, young gentlemen, uh, and um, they, you know, they just possess high character. Mm -hmm. They're in the military now? No, they are not in the military. Um, the oldest, uh, the military is not for him. <laughs> we'll put it at that. He's on a different path. The youngest, he's you know trying to find himself. Uh, you know, he did a couple of years, did two and a half years at uh, Drexel University. Um, so now he's uh, he's back home. Um, he's trying to pursue uh, music industry. Uh, so, uh, well, he said he wants to you know, be the next you know, Jay Z or Drake oh, or you know, right. something like that. You know, that's you know, big. But yeah, he, he might as well go yeah. big. Yeah. You know. Right. So, but no, he's um, he's always had a passion for music. And, you know, so he wants to try to follow uh, his uh, his musical dreams. So, and he has a talent for it, too. Uh, you know, I remember <laughs> I remember he had a keyboard in his room growing up and I would walk past his room when he was younger. And I'm like, and I hear him in there, you know, playing some notes on the key and then he'll stop and then he'll play a song and then he'll rewind the song and then he'll play notes on the key. And I walk back, you know, I kid you not, five minutes later, and he's playing the freaking wow. song by, by memory, yeah. Yeah. you know, on the keyboard. And, you know, it's so, so he has that, yeah, you know, that he, ear. yeah, he has that ear for music. You know? Awesome. But, so he sprinkled a little bit there about a wife. There's a wife out there. Uh, let's <laughs> oh let's, my let's gosh. dig in on that. Yes. What do you think? Yeah. That, there's a Mrs. Richardson out there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, and uh, Mrs. Richardson is a, um, she's a phenomenal mother. How you met her? Let's start with that. Oh my gosh! You how wanna... you met? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I want to know how you met her. Oh, she's gonna kill me. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna kill me. Uh, so I met her. Uh, she's here, upstate New York. Um, I'm from Baltimore, and uh, I came here in 1997. And uh, I didn't know anyone up here, uh, so I was homesick when I came up here. So every weekend, of course, I was driving back to Baltimore because I had to go see my mommy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <You know>? so, <laughs> Also, every weekend I was driving back to Baltimore, and then uh, Rick Rueda. Oh wow! Rick Rueda. Rueda. Yeah, he was the first person that actually said, "Hey, um, you know, we're going out. I'm going to take you out to Saratoga." Yeah, I was like, "All right, cool. Let's go out to Saratoga." You know, so we went out to Saratoga, and you know, and um, uh, it's a club there called the Newbury. Oh, I've been there. It's still like going there, downstairs, downstairs, right? Downstairs, right, right yes. there on Broadway. Yes. It's a club there called Newberries, and uh, and that's like one of the first clubs I, I went to uh, when we were here. And so, um, fast forward, um, two of my friends that I talked about came up to visit me: oh. Rocco, Dre, Rocco. and Ice, DJ Ice, little man. Right. Um, they came up to visit me for a weekend, and uh, and I. <laughs> And I remember this. This is this is so funny. So they came into the apartment and they were like, "What you got to eat in here?" You know. So they looking around and I, and I had some bacon soda in the refrigerator and I had a box of, uh, of uh, spaghetti and some peanut butter and jelly. I was like, nah. I was like, "This is a bachelor pad. We going out to eat. We going to McDonald's. We going somewhere." Um, so we went out. We went out to the Newbury that night. And um, so we're out the Newbury and the, so the song was on that I like, um, and it was. Um, uh, Morrison's uh, Return of the Mac. Oh, uh, classic. It's a classic, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Return of the Mac. So I love that song. So I'm out on the dance floor. 
<laughs> you know, because I don't need no one to dance with. When I feel it, I feel it. Right, right. Yeah, Gotta so let it loose. I'm, I'm out on the dance floor. I'm dancing. And, uh, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm dancing. And I see someone kind of, okay. you know, you can feel some eyes yeah, on you yeah. know, when you're dancing. Yeah. You know, and so and I turn around and we caught eyes. And, you know, and yeah, she was checking out the moves. Oh. You know, so, yeah. so he started grooving <laughs> more, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we uh, introduced myself. And, um, and then as the night goes on, um, the club um, gets packed, and uh, you know, so we kind of lose lose touch. And and so my friends and I was like, "Hey, let's let's go, let's go get something to eat." You know, it's like maybe two o'clock in the morning, something like that. And so I come up out of the Newbury, and it was like fate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> sitting on the bench oh. was Mrs. Well, her last name, I'm gonna tell you what her last name used to be, the but future, what, Richardson. future the Mrs. Future, yeah. Richardson, sitting on the bench. And I walk up to her and say, "Hey, there you are." I said, you okay? You, you, you need help? Uh, you know? And she's like, well, I'm here with my friend, and my friend has my car, um, but I can't contact him. Uh, so I was like, all right, no problem. I was like, uh, then we'll stay with you. Fire painful. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. You know, we'll stay with you, and we'll help you um, until you can locate your friend. And we did. We stayed with her, and, uh, you know, and we helped her, found a friend you know, with the car, and then off they went. And, you know, and then uh, you know, I gave her my number, and... You know, and she was like, the next morning she said she woke up and she was like, that guy was kind of nice. <laughs> that guy was kind of nice. I think I'm going to give him a call. And so we, we set up a date and, you know, and uh, the rest was history. So, you know, our first date was at the Grecian Gardens in Clifton Park. Okay. I don't know if it's still there or not, but she still has the receipt because she calls me cheap. <laughs> and so, so. Uh, the first meal that I bought her was like seventeen dollars and nineteen cents from the Grecian Gardens. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, so yeah, then the rest is history. That's that's how we met. You know? Yeah. And we've he, been going strong ever since. So. Here's um, my number. Yeah. In case you know, hey, have walk around. Case. Just say. Yeah. So she is. Um, she keeps me um, humble. Um, you know, she's a she's a very very um, you know strong independent woman, um, and she's a successful woman. Uh, she has her uh, master's degree in um, in history uh, for teaching uh, U.S. history. Uh, she's currently managing a jewelry store, uh, Hanush Jewelers, down on Wolf Road. Uh, mm-hmm. She was she's been with them for a while, but she's the manager there. So you know, so if you need any jewelry, go down yeah. and go down and ask for Michelle, the manager. Uh, we go know, Michelle, the manager, right there. Yeah, she'll, she'll give you the family discount. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, but she's a phenomenal leader, manager, uh, mother, uh, wife, sister, daughter, uh, you name it, and uh, with a big heart. Uh, you know, she's the one that keeps the, the family together, and she keeps me humble. You know, yeah. she keeps me humble. So I don't care who I am. If I, when I walk into that house, she was like, there ain't, ain't no chief around here. <laughs> she's the chief. She's the chief right there. Yeah, right. right. Welcome home. Get in the kitchen. <laughs> so what is one of the words that you wish you tell her more often that you don't? Oh, my gosh. Um, I tell her I love her all the time, um, at, at least once a day. Um, I tell her that I appreciate her. Um Man, maybe I don't tell her enough how uh, great of a mother she is. All right. Uh, so that's something that I probably need to work on. You know, because I believe, and you know, and here's a fault of mine is that 
you tend to take things for granted. So I take things for granted that she is supposed to do the things she does for the kids. You know, so I yeah. take that for granted, you know, but um, but I shouldn't. Um, and I probably need to recognize that more, uh, you know, with her and, and tell her more how much of a, a great mother she is. Awesome. And military spouse, right, for many years now. Many years, and, yes. And uh, <laughs> you're, you're always traveling, you're always moving. <laughs> Even before the big positions, right, Go, deploying down to Antarctica mm -hmm. sometimes twice a year uh, for over a decade. So, uh, how do you how do you manage that? How do you balance that? It's it's a struggle for many of us in the military who are always moving and trying to be an awesome spouse, be an awesome uh, parent, um, be an awesome friend, right? How how did she manage that? How did you guys wow. manage that? Keep it together? It's it's easier said than done. Yeah, right? It is easier said than done, and it didn't come overnight. <laughs> you know, so you, you you have to constantly work at it. And um, transparent uh, communication is is ex ex extremely important. Uh, you know, when it comes to that. And and here's the other thing is is that knowing each other, getting to know, and I'm talking about knowing each other, you know, ins and outs, and because I know how she deals and how she processes information is different from how I, you know, uh, process information. So when I tell her something or I give her some information, it's got to be information in, in which a way she can comprehend it and she can understand it and not, you know, like I'm talking to, you know, um, you know, a senior airman or one, or one of my troops. Right. Uh, you know, so how she receives the information is extremely important, but I have to know that as well. And um, and and also giving each other the space to to deal with uh, things as well, because she's going to react to information differently than I'm going to react to information. However, I have to give her that space that, you know, so if I tell her that I have a trip, then I'm going I'm going somewhere. She, you know. I'm expecting her to be like, oh, yeah, great, because she supports me so much. You know, right, right. you know, I used to be like, expecting her to be like, oh, that's that's great. You know, OK, honey, I'll see you when they get back. You know, however, when she first hears the news, she's not as enthusiastic as me <laughs> about the news. You know, so she has to have her space to allow to absorb it, allow it to settle in, you know, and yeah. then she's happy. <laughs> you know, so it's understanding that, you know, because. You know, before I, you know, earlier in our relationship, I would get upset. I would get upset because yeah. I was like, man, I want you to be excited that I'm going here just as much as I am. Right. You know, but she is, but she has to process it differently. So I had to. Calculate it. Yes. The so, kids I had, and stuff. so I had to learn that, that yeah. you know, and, um, and now I'm fine with that. I know if I give her news, say, hey, I'm going on a trip, uh, you know, I'm going here, there. I understand that she has to deal with it, process it, and then. You know, so I give her a space. I tell yeah. her the news. That, you know, <laughs> give her a space, and, and then we, then we'll talk about it. You know, so so it's just that that communication um, mm -hmm. and being transparent with the communication as well. I, I tell you what, it's it is a lot easier nowadays with technology um, because you can you can feel like you're still you know yeah. connected. That you know you don't lose as much. You know, you can FaceTime. Uh, you can talk. At, you know, um, you know, constantly. Uh, constantly stay in contact so um but yeah that's uh it, yeah like i said it, it's been a challenge yeah you know i'm not gonna say that it's always been you know a smooth uh straight straight road um, we had some some windy turns in there you know but you know we know at the end of the day what's important um that, you know and and that's the thing 
I feel as though that we can all use is to differentiate between what's urgent and what's important. Mm. Uh, you know, so we always go back to what's important. Uh, you know, and so when you talk about what's important, you're always going to focus on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the you know you're always going to have urgent things that pop up in your life. That, you know, yes. that's always going to be there. And as soon as you clean up that one urgent thing, there's going to be another one that pops up mm-hmm. and another one and another one. Some of us, we get stuck in that urgent mode that everything is an urgency and we fail to get back to what's important. My wife and I, Michelle and I, we always get back to what's important. And, you know, and that's spending time with each other. That's spending time with family. That's spending, um, you know, real time, you know, with, with family and treating each other with dignity, respect and love. Amen to that. So, <clears throat> it's no secret. I believe you are the first Afro-American descendant in the position that you currently hold. So, have you, Denny, the person, experienced the heaviness of that statement, and how do you experience it? All right, so I'm not the first in You're this position. First? Okay. No. Um, you were the first in here. At the 109th. At the 109th, okay. Um, I was the first uh, this position here, that's the state command chief, uh, Hardy Pierce, okay. uh, was the first African-American um, to hold the position at the state. And he was from the 105th Airlift Wing. Uh, rest in peace, Hardy Pierce. And uh, he, was a, he was a great, great man, a great state command chief. Um, you know, one of the things that Hardy Pierce did that I wish I had that ability, um, but I got to be me, <laughs> was that when he met you, he remembered your name. That's he remembered yeah, sure your is. name. And I don't care if he saw you twice a year, he will come up and he will call you by your first name and he remembered your name. You know, and that was just, you know, talk about connecting to people and making people feel good, you know. So, so I had to do things a little bit differently to connect and make people feel good, you know, because I'm bad with names. But Hardy Pierce was phenomenal with that. So he was the, uh, the first african-american you know in, in this position so so me uh, thank you for the correction yeah no yeah. no problem man but i don't want people out there thinking that i'm stealing all these first out here <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, but but for me it's, it's always a challenge yeah, you know uh, you know when i was here at the 109th and it, you know you you feel the weight of the position when there's no one else like you sitting around in a room that looks like you know sits around in a room you feel as though that the spotlight's always on you uh, you feel as though that um, everything that you say is going to be judged and, and scrutinized. So you got to be able uh, to, when you open your mouth, uh, to to say the right things because you don't want to sound, you don't want to sound stupid. Um, but also you feel the weight and the pressure when you have other young members, African-Americans that come up to you, that look up to you, um, and they want to just speak with you and sit there and talk. Um, you know, to have mentor sessions, uh, you know, that's a lot of pressure. Mm. Um, and that's okay because I, I thrive on the pressure. I like the pressure. It, it, it keeps me, number one, it keeps me humbled. Um, but then it also keeps me focused, uh, focused on, you know, why I'm, I'm here, why I am here in this position. Um, and it's to give others hope is to give others hope that they too can be in this position as well. Um, it's, to, it's to help them navigate you know, their careers as well. It's to define clarity for them. Uh, it's, to, it's to make sure 
that what I do in this position, that when it comes time for the next minority to get in this position, they don't look back at me and say, oh, well, nope. He messed up so bad <laughs> that, <You don't> want, <laughs> that nope, no, no. And that's extremely important to me, you know. So, um, so I, I try to, you know, I try to stay focused on, once again, those things that's important. But I also make sure I do my homework. I make sure I do my research. I make sure I'm prepared, you know, when I go out uh, and, you know, and, and have to speak. Uh, because I know I'm representing something more uh, than than just me. Mm. No, sir. Oof. Chief, this has been uh, yes. powerful, powerful to say the least. And and again, we can't say thank you enough. This is so important to the airmen and soldiers out there. Um, so thank you for doing this. Thank you for being you and being the mentor you are to so many of us. Um, so we got two things to close up, right? I yes, gotta, we got the rapid fire question. One big game. question, one mm-hmm. big question for everybody uh, that every airman and soldier could take away, and then we we have a little rapid fire game we're gonna play with you. <laughs> so the the wrap up question: um, What's the best piece of life advice that you could give us? It doesn't have to be military; could be anything. What's the best piece of advice you could give everybody out there for life? Yeah, the um, the best piece of advice I can give you is uh, to be yourself. Uh, be authentic in who you are. Uh, you know, there is only one person. Don't try to be uh, Denny Richardson. Uh, like I, I said before, I can't be, uh, couldn't be uh, Hardy Pierce. Uh, you know, I can't be anybody else but myself. Uh, be yourself. You know, that's one thing that you know how to do well, and that's you. You know, so be yourself and go out and, and fine-tune who you are, you know, as a, as a person, not just as an airman. Uh, but as a person and as a human being, you know, be your authentic self. People are going to like you for who you are. You know, the younger generation, I can tell you this right now, they'll see through anything. They'll see through that fog that you're throwing down quicker than, than, you, than, than you can imagine. You know, they want someone that's real. You know, so practice on just being yourself and allow others to write that narrative for you because you know, that's what's happened throughout my career you know I just go about being myself you know continue to grind continue to do the right things and I allow others to write the narrative for me you know most positions that you get you'll have someone that comes to you and say hey you know I think you'll be great at this position and you don't even know you know, mm-hmm. you know but that's because you're you're being yourself you know you're being real so if I can give any piece of advice is, is that don't try to be someone that you're not right, because you're going to fail be yourself. All right. So that gives us to the rapid fire questions. This is a section that we are going to try to do with every uh, guest that we're going to do. So roughly you will have a minute to a minute and a half. Right? That's it. Yeah, I'll throw a minute so, on yes, the clock. You got it on the clock. <laughs> All right. Captain G is going to get us on the clock. All right. All right. So it's roughly like 10 questions. So it's first thought. Okay. Ready. Ready. All right. Who is your mentor? Jerry started. What is your favorite color? Blue. What is your favorite season? Summer. What is your favorite sport to play? Basketball. To watch? Football. Favorite sport team? Baltimore Ravens. What is your favorite book of all time and why? David Goggins can't hurt me because of the resiliency and uh, discipline. (laughs) What is your favorite band of all time and why? 
Run DMC. I'm a rap guy, and Run DMC, they change the rap game. Favorite teacher, and why? Favorite teacher? Mm -hmm. uh, Mrs. Clark. She taught me how to uh, add, subtract, multiply, and divide. Very important. <laughs> Favorite job that you ever held? Oh, my goodness gracious. It would have to be counselor for the, um, the military youth corps when I was living in Maryland. What do you do to relax? Go on my boat in Lake George with my wife. What is the best day ever for you? Best day ever is having at a football game with my wife and my two sons. All right. So right now is if I call your blank, what they will right now and ask them to describe you in one word, what word they will say. So Real. Let's say wife. What she will say in one word to describe you. <laughs> Funny. Child. <laughs> Hard. Boss. <laughs> Dependable. Neighbor. Uh, oh my gosh, neighbor. Oh, oh my gosh, I don't know what my neighbors will say about me. <laughs> <laughs> and your friends. Real. All right, All that's right. the time. That's time right there. Awesome job, Chief. <laughs> You know how they say that you need to let them fail on something? We just let him fail. He did a minute and 51 seconds or something like that. I did. I so failed. I failed at the neighbor, the neighbor one, too. So, that, you know, I don't know what they would say about me. May, probably crazy. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Chief Danny Richardson, for joining us today. Chief, again, uh, can't thank you enough. Um, a legend in New York State, legend in the Air National Guard, and, and we all aspire to be you one day, uh, but by being ourselves. Yes. So um, thank you again. Uh, good luck in your continued journey as you continue to serve, and uh, we're all rooting for you, and we're all, we're all so proud to be a part of your life too. A shout out to his podcast, right? Yep, shout, shout out to the biggest podcast in the Air Force. I'll say it right here. <laughs> Definitely the best in the game. The originator again. Um, Journeys, Journeys through, through leadership, leadership with Chief Richardson. Check it out. Yes. So that's thank all you. for now. Everybody, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, that's all for now. Thank you for listening to Beneath the Uniform, the person. This is Chad D. And Cap G. We see you in our next podcast. But for now, we drop the mic. <laughs>